Well, if you have a Bible or an app or a browser open, browser tab open, uh, I think you can go to esv.org if you want to use the ESV, which is what I'll be reading from, and uh, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 through 10. 2 Corinthians 13, verses 5 through 10. As you're opening up there, I do want to say how thankful I am for these folks who have come every week and made it a, a sacrifice, personal sacrifice to come and to lead us in worship, those who are helping make this happen technologically and musically and everything else. What a joy it is uh, to hear them sing each week and to be here and to get some sense of normalcy. And We hope uh, when we started out for this, we said we, we want to convey two things. Um, in addition to worship every week and the message and everything else, we wanted the form of what we're doing to convey uh, first of all, a sense of the immutability of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, I am God, I do not change, is what the scriptures teach. And, and so we hope that that was the case. So the immutability of God and a sense of normalcy uh, for, for everyone in, in weird times. And, uh, and so we hope that it's been as normal as possible for you as we've tried to put out a service every week that, that feels like what we normally do at some level. Not exactly what we normally do, but we hope that's been a blessing uh, to those of you who are, who are forced to be at home right now. Um, but we're hopeful and looking forward to the day uh, when we can be back to normal again uh, as the people of God gathered together where we can shake hands and fellowship and do all the things that, that we want to do. And that's not today, and that's not the 31st. We don't know when that will be, but we long for that day. And uh, let that longing, though, grow into a longing for the day when there are no more diseases and no more sicknesses to fear, the day when Jesus makes all things right and all things new. Well, if you have your Bibles open there, uh, we're going to read verses 5 through 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us, beginning in verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. I, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test, but we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Oh, Lord, our God, we pray even now that you would open our hearts and our minds. And God, I pray that we would be changed by it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A few uh, weeks ago, we experienced what we call daylight savings. We switched over into daylight savings time. And so this will spark heated debates all across the city today as people try to decide whether we ought to or ought not to have daylight savings time but the reality is it's something we it's sort of like how I feel about uh, the, all the social distancing measures and stuff at the store I don't always like it but griping doesn't help and uh, it's kind of how I feel about daylight savings you know it, griping just doesn't help 
But every time when daylight savings comes around, I see a little joke or meme travel its way around, and I always, always get it myself, and, and people always send it to me. And it says, Baptists are exempt from daylight savings this year on religious grounds because once that hour's saved, it's always saved. And uh, <laughs> so I, always, uh, I always like that. And uh, I, d- I did comment back to someone once. I said, there's a caveat, though. The, the hour is, only, is only always saved if it was even saved in the first place. And I feel like that's where we can make the argument, right? Maybe it wasn't. It was ne- the hour was never actually saved in the beginning. Of course, we do as Baptists, though. Joke's funny because it's true. We do hold to the doctrine of assurance or perseverance for the believer. What we believe that once Jesus saves a sinner, that he keeps them saved. I can remember my earliest memories from my dad. It's him telling me, son, uh, one of our earliest religious memories of my dad. You know, he's teaching me the faith. He says, son, I don't believe you can lose your salvation because if you could, I would have already. And little did I know how much that little sentence from my dad would impact my theology through the years. And I still believe that about myself, and I believe that about you. You can't earn your salvation, and so you can't keep it. If you could, you would lose it. And so we believe in it. We believe in it passionately. And Baptists are, are passionate about this, belief, this, this, about this doctrine, and we should be. And, and oftentimes we use this once saved, always saved to describe it. But sometimes we take that phrase and we sort of overplay the phrase, and not the doctrine, the doctrine's true, but we'll take that phrase and what we start to take it to mean is that there is never any way or any situation where you can even evaluate your salvation. As long as I prayed a prayer some years ago, that's it. We're so passionate about this doctrine that I'm afraid that sometimes passages like this one in the Bible, passages like the warning passages in the book of Hebrews, I think they scare us to death. We start to get nervous. What does that mean? We start to feel threatened by verses like this. Examine yourselves. Test and see whether or not you are in the faith. Well, what about once saved, always saved? What, what about this? What about that? However, I want to tell you this morning that you can hold to the doctrine of perseverance. You can believe that Jesus gets his people all the way home, and at the same time, you can find great benefit and great blessing in your life as a Christian and as your spiritual life. You can find great benefit through examining yourself, through examining, through testing yourself to see whether or not you are in the faith. It's good for us to test our Christianity. Now what Paul is talking about is before I get here, you better really think through and pray through whether or not you are in the faith because it's going to impact how you treat me when I come and how this goes when I come. But I think we can take this truth that Paul's applying to the Corinthian believers and see it as a pretty good practice for Christians in all places at all times. What do we mean when we say that we're testing ourselves or evaluating our faith? I would just encourage you in three categories to evaluate yourself. Just to put a simple definition forth before we move forward with the sermon. What do we even do? What does this mean? Well, I think you evaluate your faith at first. Okay, your, your conversion experience. I know people that dwell on it and try to make sure every T was crossed and every 
I was dotted and every little thing was perfect and everything else. And I can just tell you, you are not saved by your conversion experience. You are saved by Christ. And imperfect and struggling and weird and difficult faith is enough to save, not because it's so great, but because God is so great. And He can use even meager faith to save repentant sinners. And yet, at the same time, we do need to evaluate when we came to know Jesus. Uh, We need to ask ourselves whether or not we have been genuinely converted. But we don't stop there. I think oftentimes, especially as Baptists, we stop there. All we think about is our faith at first. And I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of believers, a lot of strong and godly believers, struggle with doubt about their salvation because they think the only way they evaluate their salvation is to evaluate their faith at first. But also, if you're going to evaluate and test your faith, you need to test your faith today. Do I believe in Jesus right now? Do do I trust Christ today? Am I demonstrating an active faith in Christ in my life? And then finally, I think we evaluate our lifestyle in terms of the Bible. Do we have a lifestyle that is mimicking what the Scripture teaches? Now, not perfectly. I'm not saying we're perfect. Nobody's perfect. But by and large, am I becoming more like Jesus? Is my lifestyle a Christward lifestyle? Am I moving in those directions? So I think that's what I mean by testing to see whether or not you're in the faith. I think that's what Paul is driving at here for the Corinthians, is evaluating these things. Are you genuinely a Christian? And if so, that needs to impact what's happening when I come to Corinth. The reality is that many Christians are missing out on the importance and blessing of evaluating their faith because of fear. Uh, We're afraid to evaluate it. And so this morning, I want to show you three truths that will help you evaluate yourself, test yourself, and examine your faith without fear. It's not the point. The point is not to stir up doubt. The point, in fact, is the opposite. As we begin to test ourselves and see whether or not we are in the faith, examine ourselves according to to the scriptures. Three truths this morning to help you learn how to examine yourself in terms of your faith without fear. Here's the first. Examine yourself for assurance. Examine yourself for assurance of your faith. You see, examination, it it doesn't testing yourself, examining yourself, it doesn't threaten your assurance of salvation. In fact, it establishes and encourages your assurance of salvation. Um, I've been someone who has wrestled with their assurance of salvation when they were lost. And I've been someone who wrestles with their assurance of salvation when they're saved. I've, I've lived in both worlds, right? And there's a difference between the two. One thing we we need to recognize, though, is that examination of the heart and examination of who you are in Christ and examination and testing of who you are in Jesus is not meant to make you afraid. In fact, it's meant to lead you and remind you of who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you. You see, assurance makes us hopeful. Look what Paul says in verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Can you think of anything more hopeful than knowing that Jesus Christ is in you? 
Do, do you see the logic of what Paul's encouraging them to do? Test yourselves, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. And what is it he's hoping they'll rediscover? What is it he's hoping they'll see? As they go through this examination, as they test themselves, what is it he's hoping they'll be reminded of? That Jesus Christ is in them. He, he is indwelling them by his Holy Spirit. He, he is in their hearts, so to speak. And he's wanting them to be reminded of this. And one thing we recognize as believers today is that when we are reminded that Jesus is in us and in our hearts and that his very real presence is in our lives, we become hopeful. Now, couldn't you stand to use a little hopefulness today? I sure could. A little assurance that Jesus is in your life and in your heart. The Bible says examination is a way to achieve that, a way to find that. And if you're a believer who's feeling down or a believer who's struggling with their salvation or a believer who's struggling with their identity and you, you need some hopefulness, you need some encouragement, perhaps you need some encouragement today to be made strong and courageous, to, to some help being strong in the Lord and being of good courage and remembering that He is our God. Perhaps that's what you need today. Examination is a path to get there evaluating your faith at first, your faith today, and your lifestyle in terms of the Bible, evaluating those things, reminding yourself of the gospel is a way to be reminded that Jesus is in us. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. If it's just Matt Alexander alone, I'm not going hardly anywhere. I'm just going to hang out and stay back. But it totally changes your perspective when it's you and Jesus, doesn't it? I'm, I'm not going anywhere scary alone. But when Jesus is with me, I'm going. It's, it's sort of like if I ask my kids to do something outside at night. They want me to come with them. They're not courageous enough. They're not encouraged enough to do it unless dad's with them. It just, it's a little spooky to go out there. I was like that when I was a little boy. And yet when dad's with me, when dad's with them, it changes everything. When Jesus is with you, it changes everything. Assurance makes us hopeful. It encourages us. And assurance is needed. We need assurance of our salvation. Notice what Paul says. He says, unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. There is a chance that there are people who are false professors. People who have made a profession of faith in Christianity that was not authentic or genuine. People who are unconverted, who are nonetheless in the church. And the reality is that if we all are practicing regular self-examination, more and more people will realize they aren't genuine believers and will come to faith in Jesus. Now, I don't think there's as many as most people think there are. And I also think there are dangers in becoming so introspective that we're constantly doubting and questioning our salvation. There's a danger in that. You have to be really careful as you begin on this journey of examination, that you are looking to Christ and looking to what Jesus has done and not all the time just dwelling on your own personal sins and dwelling on how bad of a Christian you are. That's a good way for good believers to become paralyzed by doubt. That's not the point of self-examination. And I've been through uh, uh, times in my life and through different kind of forms and brands of Christianity and different preachers and pastors who seem to always constantly just want to create doubt in God's people. That's a good way to get your baptism numbers up, right? See, if you, can't, if you can just baptize the whole church once or twice a year, that helps. 
But, but the reality is, you can't, we can't do that. We can't constantly encourage God's people toward a sort of, a sort of negative introspection. Because you can't have assurance of salvation. And yet, at the same time, we must regularly and continually examine ourselves because it helps lead to the sort of assurance that we long for. It's not the only point this morning, though. Second of all, not only should you examine yourself for assurance, but second of all, examine yourself humbly. Examine yourself humbly. Now, I'll be the first to admit, humility is hard. Humility is not easy. I went to Walmart this week. Um, that was my first mistake. And uh, went to Walmart to pick up some stuff. Whitney needed printer ink. And the only place in town that had this printer ink in stock was Walmart. So there I went. We needed some grocery items as well. So I, I went through. And, and the other day, uh, I realized I'm, I've not been so great at this when, when we go to the grocery store or whatever else. I realize, you know, there's, there, they've got prescriptions on the direction you got to go. There's instructions there. And I'm not great with rules anyway. And, and I'm one of these shoppers. I'm trying to get in and get out. And so I go into, I, I, don't, I don't mosey down every aisle typically. I go and get what I need. And then I remember where this is. I got to go get that. And I mean, I don't know. Y'all may, I, y'all may be these really organized and dedicated grocery shoppers. I'm like the popcorn uh, grocery shopper I'll go this this side of the store back to the other side back to the other side I'm not I'm not it's not really my gift and yet I, I realize though I'm going to follow the rules you know I, I'm, I'm going to do this right I'm going to go to Walmart I'm going to wear my mask and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do you know by golly I'm doing it right and I'm just going to tell you what, what I needed was like you know on this side of the aisle but it's a one-way street, and so I go down the other aisle and come back up the other one, and, and somebody had snuck in in front of me down the other end down there, and they were running four deep down the aisle at Walmart. No way to get around, and I'm not allowed to go around them, you know, because so, it's six-feet rule and everything else. So I'm just sitting there. My, my stuff's on the end of every aisle, and they're picking stuff up and comparing prices and stuff, and I'm, I'm being patient. I'm being very patient and very kind. And y'all know I'm a recovering Pharisee. And so I'm handling this all okay, because these sweet people have every right to shop, as I do. You know, I'm not, this is my Walmart, I'm not Matt Walton, this is my place. Well then, then come the rule breakers. Doing what I so easily could have done, and just darting right down the aisle the wrong way, and getting their stuff. And then, here's where I almost lost it. Somebody came and came by me and squeezed through. And I'm like, I know that's an option. You're just not supposed to do it. But I keep my mouth shut. Keep my mouth shut. And, and my inner Pharisee is clawing to come out and holler at everybody in Walmart. I'm wearing a mask. I feel like maybe they won't know who I am. I could just, you know, get all, this, all my frustration out today. Five minutes later, I'm walking down the aisle. I see somebody coming my way. I think, what are they doing? And I look down and realize it's me that's going the wrong way. You know, humility is hard. Because there I am, Mr. Self-Righteous Walmart Shopper. Do these people not know we live in a society? If they could only follow the rules as good as I follow the rules, then we'd be doing a lot better in this world. And then guess what I do? I break the rules because I'm an idiot. Just accidentally, just mindlessly start bebopping down the wrong way, down the aisle. But, but notice what Paul is telling the Corinthians here. He, he, he says something that's remarkably humble, in my opinion. 
in verses 6 and 7. Now remember, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. Do you see, I, I think what he's saying is, I hope in you discovering you haven't failed the test that you'll also realize we haven't failed the test. But nonetheless, Paul is putting it out there that they, he and his cohort of apostles, he and the other leaders in the church, in the early church, are open to examination. There is the possibility, right? Paul says elsewhere, I want to make sure that I have not what? Run in vain. We, we are looking and seeing the way he is showing and demonstrating. It's possible that I have not passed the test. It is possible that I need to examine myself and test and see whether I am in the faith. He's not excusing himself from the same sort of examination that he's encouraging in the Corinthians but we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not, verse 7, that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. Paul's saying, I'm willing to be misunderstood so long as you do what is right. There's a humility there. And I think if we start to develop a culture in our hearts and lives and in our church of sort of regular, healthy, careful self-examination and self-assessment, that what's going to happen is we're going to start to become prideful. If we're not careful. Because when you start evaluating your Christianity, your flesh doesn't like it. Because usually when you start examining your Christianity, you realize there's, there's some things and some sins that need to die. And I've not yet met anything that likes dying, especially my flesh. Right? And so it starts to cry out. And what's the easiest way for your flesh to cry out when it doesn't like being examined? What does it like to say? Oh, have you, have you considered so and so? They're way worse than you. Huh. You're going the right way down the aisle at Walmart. But so-and-so is not. Be nice if they would examine themselves. Huh. Wonder if they've ever tested their Christianity. Some in Corinth even seemed to, of course, insinuate perhaps that Paul was not a Christian. My friends, we must be careful in our judgment and our judgmentalism. That we are not so busy judging everyone else's Christianity that we forget to judge our own. That we are so busy evaluating everyone else's hearts that we're not evaluating our own. We have to be really careful in our judgment and our judgmentalism, especially in, we, in accusing others who claim Christ of not being Christians. That's such a cheap shot. And it's an easy thing for folks to do. A few years ago, my wife, my, my very own wife, Someone was upset with something she'd done, and they, I, I thought it was all silly anyway. I think she did, it was an accident, something that had happened, but somebody on Facebook publicly said she wasn't a Christian. Now, for me, that kind of thing kind of rolls off me, you know. I mean, somebody says, I don't think you're a Christian. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. It didn't roll off her. Hurt. Stunned. Right? It was really hurtful for her. And uh, therefore made me quite angry i don't like it just as an aside there's if anyone's ever wondered like in terms of criticism things like that which i deal with precious little of it's embarrassing uh where i draw the line on like defending it's at my family just so that's clear i mean i don't i don't think we're having issues with that we don't and i love everybody 
Everybody's sweet and kind to me and nice. But I just want everyone to know, if you've ever wondered, like, where, what will push Alexander over the line, it's the family line. So just bear that in mind. But, you know, we're also in an election season. And I see a whole lot of that in the way we talk about politics. The way we dehumanize other people and say, could you even be a Christian? And this works both directions. I've seen it in both directions a bunch of times. How could anyone who claims to be a Christian vote for X or vote for Y? Or do this or, or do that? Who gives us the right to say things like that? I think if we spent more time evaluating ourselves, and evaluating our own hearts, and seeing the sin in our own hearts, in our own flesh, in our own tendencies, that we wouldn't be nearly as worried and nearly as prideful when it comes to the shortcomings and sins and blind spots of other people. Be careful. Be humble. We must examine ourselves with humility, recognizing that we are not perfect Christians. You know, of course I'm a Christian. I'm a perfect Christian. It's not really a Christian attitude. Humility leads us to examine ourselves and test ourselves and to see whether or not we're in the faith, to recognize, Lord, I am prone to wonder. Lord, I am prone to go the wrong way. Take my heart, Lord, and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. God, apart from you, I will not make it to the end. Once saved, always saved is true, but God, I need your help, and I need you to give me the grace and the humility to test myself and to see. And when we start to have that sort of attitude before God, oh God, I'm a sinner, and we beat our own breast over our own sin, we become a lot less keen to look and to criticize and to judge the sins of others. Be careful. Be careful. But finally, examine yourself as a safeguard against sin. In verses 8, 9, and 10, Paul begins to talk about the fact that he is coming back to Corinth and he says, I hope that this introspection will put you in a place where I don't have to use the authority I have in an unpleasant way when I get there. What he's saying is, I hope that this introspection, I think that this level of testing, I think that this evaluation will help prevent you from sinning. We pray to God that you may not do wrong. Verse 7. Verse 8. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. Verse 9. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. What does he say? Your restoration is what we pray for. Do you see what Paul's hoping this will do? He's hoping this will be a safeguard against sin. He's hoping that this evaluation will help build up defense against sin. He's hoping that this will keep them from sinning. That his visit to Corinth will be a pleasant visit because of this time of testing and this time of evaluation, this time of examining themselves. You see, I don't think it's helpful, and I don't think what this verse is driving at is that we need to constantly dwell on our own personal sins and shortcomings. Just just to become sort of self-flagellators who constantly beat ourselves up over our sin. The, The reality is that we can boldly approach the throne of grace, and when we sin, we ought to take it to God, and we ought to confess our sins. We ought to be sad over those sins. We ought to take it to the Lord, confess those sins, give those sins to God, repent, wash our face, and move on. God's not asking you to dwell in your sin. However, I do think that this personal examination can help prevent future sin. I think that's what it's most helpful for. 
Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things so that I won't have to use my authority in a negative way when I come there to Corinth. You see, a healthy reminder of who you are and whose you are will lead you to repentance and will help you fight temptation as it comes. Paul Paul foresees this examination, this testing of the Corinthians to see whether or not they are in the faith as a preventive precursor to church discipline when he comes. In other words, I've always said that the the first step of church discipline is really uh, the initial, simple, basic confrontation. But really and truly, the genuine first step of church discipline is us examining our own hearts. The, The... Without your own conscience doing the work that God gave it to do, the church would be rampant with sin. And yet, in our own self-examination, in us evaluating our own hearts, we find ourselves constantly and regularly prevented from sin in the future. You see, some of you may fear falling or lapsing back into habitual sin that's a part of your past. Some of you feel right now with, with just such gravity, those words from the hymn that we sang earlier, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. And for those Christians and for every Christian, honest, practical self-evaluation of your faith in the past, your faith today, and your lifestyle against the Bible is a wonderful practice to begin. My friends, my brothers and sisters, once we're saved, we're saved. There's not a single one of Jesus' people that won't make it home. He, he will get us there. But praise be to God that one of the means that God has chosen to preserve and to keep His people, one of the ways that we stay saved by God's grace, one of the gifts He's given us to keep us as His own is through examining ourselves for the gospel. Do not fear it. Instead, embrace it. And see the way that God will use it to produce in your life assurance and humility and holiness. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus for the first time, you should do it today. Put your faith and trust in Christ. You can email me if you need someone to talk to. malexander at fbcgazin.org If you're interested uh, in knowing more about Christianity, send me an email. I'd love to talk to you. And believers, take this time to reflect on Jesus. As we have a few moments of song here, take this time to reflect and to do the business with the Lord that you need to do. After this prayer, I want to invite you to reflect. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for this time of worship we've gotten to have today. And Lord, I pray that we would all be faithful examiners of our own heart. And God, that you would give us assurance in our faith through the practice. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.